Welcome to another episode of the Myths That Make Us podcast. Today I have on uh, Lenny Bates. Uh, I met him through Aubrey Marcus's Fit for Service Mastermind. And the moment I met him, it's like he was one of my homies from high school and we've known each other for years. Um, I don't know who it was that brought up the idea of a podcast, but he was in town and I was like, let's fucking do it. He came through. He brought his twin and she sat on the couch while I talked to him. And the I think the conversation went pretty well because I could hear her, I could see her laughing in the background a couple of times when he was contemplating some of his questions. Of course, like we tend to do, we get into his myth, his dreams, and um, what his lowest point was and how he got through it. I think that this was and is a relatable and helpful podcast to a lot of you guys out there. Um, especially if you're going through some relationship turmoil, this might be an interesting and helpful podcast to dance with. If the podcast is giving you value and you want to help me grow this thing, the most uh, direct way that you can do that is to leave a rating and review on that iTunes and to share this podcast with anyone that you think it might help or um, make them a little bit more curious. Also, if you want to stay in touch with what I'm doing each week, uh, go to my website and get on my musing list, my email list. Um, I write a weekly email sharing kind of the coolest things that I'm interacting with psychologically or physiologically, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Thank you guys for taking the time to listen. Um, I couldn't do this without you guys and I want to do it for the rest of my motherfucking days, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, I love you guys. Thank you. Namaste. Lenny, welcome to the mother myths <laughs> that make us podcast. Um, I first met you officially in meat suit probably two months ago at the first fit for service summit. Yep. Just about. What was that like for you, man? It was kind of surreal, I would say, because I felt like I was surrounded by a lot of people who have a very similar qualities as I, mm. which I'm usually like that friend in the groups that I'm a part sure. of. So it was weird to be surrounded by so much of that. It was weird to be around the weird friend. Yeah. <laughs> Only a group made up of the weird friend from other tribes. Yeah. Yeah. Which was cool. Which was It allowed me to open up more and be way more me and explore that. For sure. Which was cool. So you listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. You know it's going down. Kind of. Let's say that I just met you right after we did Ecstatic Dance at the end Ooh. of the summit. And I asked you, who are you and what do you do? Specifically, what do you do? And answering it in a way where if thousands of people were actually listening and they didn't know who you are, how would you actually introduce yourself? That's a good one. You premised it by, I listened to the podcast, so I should have a prepared answer, but I don't. You're fired and now you have to go. <laughs> After the ecstatic dance, was it was something I never did before. So I felt very open and free and kind of like I unlocked parts of me that I didn't know I sure. either could or have before. So that was like interesting to view the world through that lens for a moment. And I actually never journaled before that. Sorry, guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I just had a, a a call to just like, I got to get this out. So I just started 
journaling. Like, let me just write and never look at this again. I think I got that tip from you. So I ended up writing like three pages of just how I felt. And I felt very connected. Very, how would I say this? Like open and free and able to talk. And it just like, I felt like a very good communicator of like who I am or whatever that means. I I don't even know how to express like who I am. But but yeah, like I just felt so open and like who I am is kind of accepted. And and I don't know if that made any sense. (laughs) It makes just enough sense. Um, What is the societal role that you fulfill on a daily basis where then you get rewarded with symbolic tokens that we call money that allow you to not be homeless. What do you do? I'm an accountant. Heard. <laughs> that was a good way to put that, son. <laughs> um, how would your best friend describe you and what you do? I would say it wouldn't at all result, like be around my occupation. It would probably be what I represent to them in terms of being compassionate, stable, and like looking out for their best interest at all times and kind of how that relationship feeds back and forth, you know? How would your most recent lover describe you and what you do? Mm, I currently don't, my most recent. So I would say compassionate to a T and kind of to a fault thinking that I know what's best. (laughs) Heard. How would your father describe you and what you do? Mm. My father would probably say I'm unique and it drives him insane that I decide to go about life the way I do. And because he thinks make a bunch of money, you have the capabilities you do and then follow what you love versus trying to follow what you love and then seeing where that goes. And he also sees me as somebody who could, in his eyes, he always says it, which is crazy. I think it's insane. But he always goes like, you could change the world of the dynamics you're in or like the node of the network you're in like that. You can, you hold so much opportunity and you can do that. So he sings my praises, Heard. but also tells me to follow the, the normal route, which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> How would your mom describe who you are and what you do? I would say... She would say, I'm a lover, but I'm also self-centered <laughs> in a way. But she doesn't mean it in terms of like selfish. She says that you kind of take what you think is important sometimes and prioritize around that, which I think, duh. <laughs> but also, even if it's not in her view, which she doesn't always love. Yeah, and what's interesting, and you know, I don't know the specifics, but a lot of people who leverage the claim at other people and call them selfish are basically saying, you are not prioritizing the things that I find important, therefore you are selfish, but the metric that I am using to evaluate whether or not you're being selfish is, are you doing the things that I want you to do? And so it's an interesting thing, people who call other people selfish, the way that they're interpreting their behavior as selfish is based off of their selfish preferences. But that's just a side note. As you would say, heard. (laughs) Heard. (laughs) Honestly, viewing it that way, they're being selfish. (laughs) Right, no, so, you know, I think that that's the thing. I think that that people who try to use the claim you're being selfish tends to be used as a power tool to get you to do what I want you to do, which is Mm. selfish. But, side note. 
Okay. <laughs> Let's say that you're either in a dream or you just did some psychedelics. I don't know if that's a part of the type of stuff that you do. Yeah, we're down but with it. Let's say that you encountered the thing that feels like it's God. How would that thing describe you and what you do? Now that's a question. That's all, folks. <laughs> I would say trying to figure it out. And filled with a lot of potential but trying to figure out the right outlets to express it properly. So I think it's kind of a question mark, but like very strong potential, I would say. For sure. What do you remember being the first memory for your life? It's rough because I always, I'm like such a forward thinker and what I need to do next. So thinking back to what my first memory would be, I think it's count like my grandfather always used to have this ring of keys for some reason. I, even to this day, I wonder why he had so many keys. And I would try to memorize which key was for what. And he always loved like playing that game with me. Like interesting. Always like figuring out, oh, this key's for this, that. And I would name them off to him, like, this is your backdoor key, this is your car key, this is that. Sure. And even like the little ones. And I always used to love that for some weird reason. So this for sure is probably me reaching too deeply already, but <laughs> What symbolically is a ring of keys, a bunch of potential, and you have to figure out how to use it? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we're already there. At full circle. All right, we're done. Damn. We're done. <laughs> Damn, that hurt. <laughs> no, but that's really... So a lot of people ask why I ask the questions that I ask on the podcast. And I really think that the first memory that we have um, reflects kind of like what the first... If you imagine what's happening in the mind of a baby, it's almost like it's trying to put together the cognitive architecture that it's complicated enough for it to experience itself as an ego, like as, as consciousness. And on average, it takes about three years for the body to start to build the connections in the brain to be complicated enough to host self-awareness. There's energy firing through the body of the baby because of instincts and evolution before it has the ego. So there's like waves of fear, waves of love, waves of hunger, like going through the body. And it seems like once the brain gets complicated enough to host consciousness, there's one of those energetic drives that is the one that sparks it online. Mm. like that's the one that's like oh fuck i'm here you know <laughs> it's, it's almost like when you wake up you there tends to be some emotion that you wake up with well and like that was the thing that like sparks the machine back online i think that whatever the primary emotion is that sparked our first self-awareness mm -hmm. i think it just has a a, a big um impact on the way we feel about life, you know? And so this is just kind of why I tend to ask that question. And it seems that it uh, fits pretty nicely. Damn, I didn't even think it fit. I didn't even think of that until you asked the question. I was then trying to dig of my first memory since I heard your podcast and that one just came up. So, yeah. yeah. What do you remember being the primary story either written or either read to you or that you watched on a TV or, you know, on a screen that most resonated with you that you watched a lot as a child? 
I never really read books and I never had too many read to me, but I always loved superhero movies and The Matrix. <laughs> the first Matrix. So I'm talking like before you're seven, what was the oh. movie or the story that you remember like most resonated with you? Because The Matrix is dope, but that's probably too far into your teenage years to count. Um... I would say still like superhero things. If you had to pick one. And probably like I always loved X-Men for some weird reason. Like sure. that was always like my go-to. So X-Men has a lot of individual stories, but I'm going to challenge you. Um, let's say that you're a father and you have a child and they're 10 and they're like, dad, will you please tell me a story? Please actually, can you tell me the story? Not can you Google a story and play an audible book for me? Can you actually <laughs> read the story to me? Um, if you're going to tell them the story of X-Men in your own words, and again, it does not need to be historically accurate. Just go with what comes up. How would you tell the story of X-Men to the child? Imagine that you're talking to the child when you answer into the microphone. Like, So what would be the way that you would say it? And what would the story be? I would say there's... I, on a, Try to even energetically talk like you're talking to the 10 year old. Like, okay. How so would there, you say it? there's a group of people who are special and who are more advanced than the normal human being. And I don't know if I'd use the word evolution to a 10 year old, but they're, they've evolved with like another trait or something like that. So each person is unique and has a special ability, which makes them a superhero in a way. And you have groups of these heroes who want to do good in the world. And then there's a group who think that normal humans are less advanced and we don't really need them. And then they kind of, one protects people and helps them. And then the other group is basically out to either, I don't want to say end mankind because that sounds crazy, especially to a 10 year old. You don't want to scare them with that. But I would say that's pretty much and then where all the characters fall in between that. And then the most gifted one obviously ends up being on the side of the hero side of it. And yeah, that's kind of the X-Men. <laughs> they do a bad job at that. Your face looks like it. Absolutely <laughs> not. That, that is what we call in psychology projection. Oh, that's not how I man. felt. No, what's interesting is um, you have paid a lot of money to be a part of a group of people who are special. <laughs> who are really trying to like do something unique for the collective. And that's all I could hear when you told me that story, like that you are living that <laughs> motherfucking myth right now. I didn't even think about that, Tim. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Oh, man. I did not think about that at all. But the connection I made when I was reading, um, what book was it? I don't remember, but it was it I think it was a little bit in mastery and then some of it was hinted in um the war of art when they were talking about how like the uniqueness of a person and where the word gene originates from. Genius. I think yeah, and then I think like it's Latin derivative and it's like something about being unique or like every individual is unique. That's where like the where the word gene comes from or something like that. And that like clicked something in my brain. I thought right away, I was like that because that's the way I see people. I feel like I see people's either like not potential, but when they tell me who they want to be or what they want to do, the first thing I'm like is how can we get there? Like if we oh, got this, sure, you know yeah. what I mean? That's always like my mind with like yeah. my friends and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. What I remember about genius is that the root word of genius is genie and that the story of the genie is basically 
there is a thing inside that if you bring it forth and ask it questions, give it wishes that it will change the world. And I think that there's this idea that there is a force inside each of us that our ego, I think, is kind of terrified of, that if we were to genuinely ask it for, okay, it seems to be that the way our minds are is you can manifest way more of your future than you believe and that you're doing it now. And that if you had the courage to genuinely ask it for what you want, it'll help you get there, but you will have to make equivalent sacrifices. And I think that's why people play small and they kind of don't step into their power is because I think there's this knowing like, fuck, if I actually ask for, you know, the Lambo and the apartment (laughs) and the beautiful marriage, I could probably create it. But I know that I would have to give up a lot of my bullshit that Mm -hmm. I'm holding on to that feels good that I know is bullshit, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think. Yeah, so that's what I think of when um, you know I hear genius and genie because I do think we all have an inner genius. Mm-hmm. But in order to bring that forward, we're going to have to kill a lot of the parts of us that are immature and weak and addicted and just seeking pleasure and want to be comfortable. And so most of us don't even ask. Do you think that that works in the opposite direction as well? Like if you don't try to either cultivate that relationship or ask your intuition or feel that, that it it either goes numb or you don't have that ability to accurately call to that. Do you know what I mean? For sure. I think that that's a great question. And I do think that people who don't want to make the sacrifices behave in ways that diminish their connection to that thing. And Mm. I think that it's like, it's like a muscle that hasn't, that your brain hasn't tried to activate for six years. Like, you you could bring that muscle back online, but it's, it's going to take a lot of work. Mm. But it's atrophied. Like the connection between your brain and your glute is just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's atrophied. Got to pick the glute for a reason. Hey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, the strongest muscle in the body. Um, yeah. So I think that that's a good question. And I think that it's right. I think, I think the way that you behave every day either strengthens or weakens that connection to your genius. Mm. Powerful. All right. <laughs> All right. Who do you remember being the two to three either fictional or non-fictional people that you admired as a child? I always remember my older cousin. I always wanted to hang out with her. She What's her name? Gabrielle. <laughs> um she was like, I always found like whatever cool is, I always found her to be super cool. And me and her just had always had a bond. So being with her was definitely, she's one person. It's two to three. Mm-hmm. I think three, damn. Challenge. <laughs> um, I would say my twin sister also, like I have a <laughs> connection with her. And that's two. I think I only really got two. One more. Damn, we gotta pull it out. Could be fictional. As a kid, you're mm-hmm. saying? I don't think I, I can't think of a third. Who is your favorite X-Men? 
had like parts of them that I liked. Like, Just go with your gut, pick one. <sighs> I always thought um, like the Phoenix was cool. She yeah. was the most powerful. Like that sure. was always like. So now check this out. If you had to describe a specific trait from each of the three that you most admired, what would the trait be? Like, for example, Gabrielle, what was the thing that made her cool? Like, 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 what was the trait that you were seeing? <laughs> Great with people and also just knew how to hustle. Like, <laughs> she, like anything she wanted, if, like she can build any kind of business she wants or literally sell salt to a slug, like anything like she wanted to do. And I always thought that was awesome. And it, it gave me my first taste of that. Yeah. And then I'd like, fit, like pick that up and ran with it. So that was something sure. I loved. Yeah. Um, my sister's too genuine. <laughs> like she's too nice. And sometimes I, I do love it. And it was something that like I had to, like I learned and I do love, but it was also something that, I don't know. Like she's just such a genuine person that I was like, you're going to get taken advantage of. You got to be a little, little meaner. But that was something that I always loved. And then, bro, just like, power. like it was powerful. And it was cool how there were like two sides. I mean, the Phoenix, there were two sides, like, the normal person and then like you, if you couldn't control your power like i always thought that was cool that she was the most powerful x-men right so power gregariousness and genuineness were kind of the three i guess and do you find those reflected in you <laughs> i don't think that you would probably admit the one about the power but for sure i can see that you're gregarious and genuine you know and so again uh it's, it's interesting, you know, the primary way that we learn is imitation. Even before we have language, we learn to imitate. And it's like, there's a genius in us that's pointing us towards the qualities that it knows that if we imitate those and we learn those, we're going to be able to do what we need to do in the world, you know? And so we, we find the people that we admire because they have a trait that we know we could acquire. Mm. So it's working. Cool. <laughs> now this question is a little bit harder. Knowing. This question is a little bit harder for people. If you had to go back to your childhood and recall the two to three people, either fictional or non-fictional, that you had the most resistance to, who were they? Does it have to be a specific character? Because I was—I hated scary movies as a kid. Right, and then I would ask, <laughs> "What's the first one that comes to mind?" I can't even. I can't think. I just remember the situation of being there and being clowned by my cousins for not liking it. But um, I would say like Halloween was one of them mm -hmm. like with Jason, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was one of them. Um, and you said like a quality of a part of someone? Don't answer that one yet. Just let's do two more people that you had the most resistance to. I would say, this is weird, but like partially my dad in a way. For sure. That's completely normal. And then, I don't know if I have a, I don't know if I have a third. Yeah. Hurt. Don't have a third. What was the trait about Jason that you uh, had the most resistance to? That was the most uncomfortable. I wouldn't say it was like Jason to say per se, but I would always put myself like in the spot of the victim. And that right. would always scare the shit out of me. Like, right. So, I, but I think that the trait about Jason is the unrelentlessness of the pursuit, you know, cause like that's kind of the defining thing about Jason. It's like, no matter what mm -hmm. he is coming, 
mm-hmm. right? For sure about him, but for some reason that doesn't exactly like I'm. Other things you said it just hit me. I was like, damn, that's true. But I do feel that way about the J about Jason. But I don't know for me if that completely resonates. Like it was just the, it was the part of being on the other end of the relentlessness that was. No, that's what I'm saying. Right? Oh, okay. is, is that like if the enemy or the other or the shadow or whatever it is that that thing if that thing is relentless, mm-hmm. like that's the terrifying thing that like no matter where I go or what I do, it's coming. Yeah. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the main trait about your father that you felt like you had the most resistance to? I feel like there were like two personalities and like one was like the ego of like who he either was before he had kids or like who he wants to people to see. Mm-hmm. And that always had like a weird like, oh, to me versus like, the genuineness of when that wasn't there. You know what I mean? Of like when he talks to me about my future and like what he wants me to do. I know that's part of him talking to himself. And like that person has like that potential versus the person that he tries to show. And that always like, I couldn't explain it before, but I always remember like noting it in my brain, like it stood up. I'm like, yeah, that's not that he, that that is not an embodiment of authentic expression, that there's two characters and one is for, how I am when I think people are judging me. And the other one is how I am when I feel safe, you know, and that you as a kid probably saw that there was like, why is there such a big gap between these two people? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. do I have two dads? You know? <laughs> yeah. And the thing that I find is that the type of, that the traits of the people that we had the most resistant to are the most charged parts of our shadow. And so um, what I would get from that is that a thing that you pay very close attention to for you is to not be two ways, you know, and that that's something that you have. a So kind of like the way the shadow unfolds in Jungian psychology is all of the worst parts of what a human could be are inside you right now. But the part that's most activated is the parts that your conscious mind most harshly judges. Mm. You know, and what's weird is that the parts that we most harshly judge tend to be the parts that we know we're the most capable of being. For a really Mm. extreme example, you know you could murder somebody. Like, that is a potential within you. But because it's not something that you feel is even close to being expressed, that's not a charged part of your shadow. But the being fake in front of people that you want to impress. That is a part of every person's shadow that's so much more closer to being expressed in consciousness that our conscious mind has to put more energy at repressing it. And so I think that those are the parts of the of the shadow that are our shadow. It's the parts that we personally resist the most. Mm. And so it seems like there's, you know, this resistance towards the two-facedness. Like, you know, be who you are at all times, or at least try instead of being this person and then this person. The interesting one is the one about Jason. Um, My best guess would be uh, that a part of your shadow that is closest to coming up might be like the feeling of not being safe and that there's this thing coming. And like the essence of paranoia is this idea that there's a thing out there and it's coming for me or like everyone's against me 
you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like Jason kind of represents the part of paranoia where it's like, it's such a weird feeling. And it's one of the reasons why I try my best to tell the truth because it's such a waste of energy to truly feel like there is a conscious entity out there that is obsessed with trying to hurt you. (laughs) You know, like that's a terrifying feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Do those two things for you resonate as like parts of your, uh, parts of your personal shadow? The first one for sure. Yeah. And then the Jason one, I'm still kind of having a, resistance to for some reason because i feel like the jason even though it's all we're all talking about like your own interpretation of this i feel like the jason character would just be like the lesser me that i always feel like it could be interesting you know what i mean for sure and then like i'm always trying to like not let that get Heard. It's win. Like, you know what I mean? Heard and concurred. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. This feeling of my small self is always coming and wanting, you know, like the light of consciousness. Like, it's always there. Mm -hmm. It it always wants to try to have control. Yeah. To constantly like, nah, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. For sure. And like, part of it will be like, it'll be satisfied with the moment and knowing that you're still building, like giving the, giving it its ground would be bad for the potential that I was for talking sure. about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Amen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you, what was the first thing in your young life that gave you like a sense of power? Um, we were talking before the podcast that like my big thing was basketball. Like mm-hmm. that's where I really felt like, whoa, I'm, my ego feels like it's clearly at the top of this hierarchy. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important for people to feel, you know, at yeah. some point in their young life, because it gives them this sense of competence that then gives them the audacity to think that they can do anything dope in the world. You know, <laughs> so what was kind of the first thing that gave you that feeling? I felt like the ability to like say I want to be decent at this or good at it and getting good at it, whatever that was. What were like, some examples? I would say like school, I used to really struggle with school when I was younger. Like I used to hate reading like anything and I just didn't find value in it. And then I, I did like math and I started doing really good in math. And from there it was like, oh, if you do good in school, like this is the result. Like I loved people not being able to peg me and then me being good at something. So that was school for a while. Like just a group of people I hung around with, like people didn't do too great in school. And like, I can hang with these people and do good in school. Like yeah. that was always a part of like my ego. And then this sounds like it's just my ego talking, but like I, <laughs> I always thought I looked good, which always helped. Like, Get them. Like, <laughs> Get them. Which I felt like, I, I don't know. It was just like a part of like, that was just something that was just like, I don't know, a part of it. And I always sure. got along well with people. So that always helped and fueled the other things that I was talking about. Sure. So like I can go hang out with, somebody in there click and just get along with them. And that was always cool. Yeah. That is one of the traits that you picked up from your cousin, right? Oh, I would say that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. What do you remember being your first, like, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. Like for me, I, I was such, I was so naive. I genuinely thought it'd be in the NBA and <laughs> not the case. Please don't try to say anything to make that feel better. It was not the case. I'm the ultimate hype, man. I can make you feel like it. Don't do it. Right, don't I do it. I, I will fucking crush both of us. <laughs> It'll be bad for both of us. All right. Um, I never, I guess like a, 
a thing that I would say, which led me down accountancy, I would say like just the idea of what I thought success looked like. And I thought like a, a wealthy business person was that. Yeah. So it took me down that path. What age did, what is the earliest that you remember having oh, the idea kind of, of like, whoa, success is business, man. I don't think it was the businessman. It was just like I would see or the picture I was painted of somebody who did well, either always had their own business or was the CEO of a business. And I was like, oh, I want the the Maserati or the Ferrari. That's how you do it. And I knew I wasn't great enough at anything to do it besides that avenue where I could like build it. Like I didn't have like the athletic ability where like I knew I was going to be like, oh, I could be LeBron James. Like that was never in it for me. It was like, how do I build it? And that was a way that I saw to build it, I guess. Yeah. Ego did. So what I'm tracking is it seems to be that at some point, the thing that first impressed you the most were the status symbols that you could have. Cause you, yeah. you, you said the car, yeah. right? Um, can you reach back into your memory of like what that, moment was where you realized oh i want those symbols you know like i i want the car i don't think it was just the car but i think it was the like i always liked to dress good i always liked to have nice things and those the reactions i've got from others was always what i guess i liked that and i liked sure. being the person who had that and that i knew like, I guess I thought, oh, how do I scale that? And that's how I connected that dot. I don't really know if that's 100% accurate, but I'm trying to like connect that. But I don't really yeah. know. You know, because. The, and then my cousin also was somebody who was like, I looked up to who just, I just knew like she could hustle. And that was like something sure. that I loved. So yeah. that was, I don't know. There's the meta framework for how it seems our brain creates the map of reality is that it starts to get an idea of what we are, you know, and we, we start to tell ourselves a story about what we think we are. And then it starts to learn like, what's the game that we're in? Like, what are the rules of the game that I'm in? Mm -hmm. And then it's what, what are the highest possibilities of the, of the, what are the highest beings in this game? And then how do I become like that? I, I'm still sorry that I'm struggling with this question, but I see it as, I, I think it was the resources that got me more so that, cause like I always loved being the guy who hooked it up. Like I loved being able to like, like if I could, even if it was something small, like pay for dinner for the people I was sure. with or like whatever. And I loved being able to do that and helping the people around me. And I knew resources how you did that and most of the resources that i could connect i guess at that time was like money for sure and then i thought that if i had more resources or money i would be able to do that at a higher thing like because it, it wasn't just like it wasn't a selfish thing of like i want the car just for me to look good it was like i want the car so we could all look good like yeah, you know what the I mean? car like, is a representation of you having the means to make everyone around you yeah it was okay. like more that than, yeah for yeah. sure because it wasn't like, I want the car just so I can point at all you motherfuckers who didn't have the car. Like, it wasn't sure. that. Right. Like, yeah. You know. The car was a representation of you having the means to take care of all your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I think it's really, I think one of the archetypical stages of life 
is where we get to this point where our current conception of the world is completely broken. And we, you know, go into the dark night of the soul. We go into a depression. We are confused. And the way that I see that that tends to play out in people's life is they create a naive dream for what they want to become when they're young. And then, the, and then life punches you in the face in some fundamental way where you're like, fuck. One of the crucial pieces of my map, which is where I'm trying to go, is broken. Mm-hmm. So like for me, when I tore my rotator cuff in high school and I had to get surgery, like my current conception of the world was broken. I, I didn't know what I was doing on the planet, you know, for like eight months. Um, have you had a moment like that? Yeah, it was when a relationship ended for me that that happened. So um, do you feel comfortable talking about it? Yeah. I'm cool. Um, okay. So the first thing that I kind of want to paint for people is what was the map that you created in the relationship? It seems so what tends to happen and I'll, I'll riff to give you a chance to like think about how you want to okay, share perfect. this. But, um <laughs> For people who enter a depression after a relationship ends, it's because, at least on one very fundamental sense, they were starting to create a new map of their life, which is, you know, fundamentally, where are we right now? What is the game that we're playing and where do we want to go? That's kind of the fundamental parts. And then how will we get there? Mm -hmm. When you start a relationship where you start to see, oh, okay, where we are at now is not me. It's us. Mm-hmm. And then we start to look at the entire game through the lens of us. And then there's the, the us that we want to become. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, how are we going to get there? Okay. I've never thought about this until now. So this is going to be kind of clunky, but it seems to be that um, a healthy relationship is one where both of the individuals maintain their unique map of reality. And then they create on top of that, the us map which is what this relationship could be. Mm -hmm. So it's really like a triangle where on the left and the right are the two individuals. And then on the top is what the relationship could be. It seems to be that people who fall into a depression after the relationship ends is because they merged their individual one with the collective one of the relationship. And now their identity is completely woven into this relationship working. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, an emotionally charged word might be codependent, you know, is that that is where you start to merge your with the other mm-hmm. in a way where if it doesn't work out, it's, it's, you just tore your rotator cuff and it's the end of your dreams. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your, oh my God, my map of reality is broken moment. I think it, if that was your first time saying that it came together very well. LSD. Cause, <laughs> Because that is exactly, I would say, it. my individual map that even I mapped out before. Part of a lot of that that played, a lot of what played into that was the having a partner for so long. Like especially, I was very young. It was like started the beginning of high school and went all the way into college. So it was like yeah. years of like. So my individual identity wasn't there it was like an us thing and even the view of the guy in the car like you were in the passenger seat like you know what i mean <laughs> so it was it was really yeah. that so it was um so on that ending allowed me to say like whoa like my sense of i is not there what is that and that's what led me down the path of like 
self-discovery, which ultimately like led me here. And that actually yeah. is, like, self-discovery sounds very like grandiose, but really like I had to figure out who I was. Self-remembering. Okay. Self-remembering. Yeah, there we know. go. Yeah. But whatever. Like, it, and that's what um I would say. That's when that like work on me For came sure. into the picture. And like, so, and you're kind of starting to answer the questions that I would ask after about, because what's so beautiful, man, is if the breaking of the map doesn't kill you, Mm-hmm. Every human story is always, it made me better. Oh, I would always. say, even when I talk on it, I wouldn't trade it for, for the sure. world. Like, I like the person who's, I'm sitting in front of Eric Godsey talking about this. Like, for if sure. I didn't, like, if I wasn't happy with the person I am and who I can become, then I would probably feel that way, but I don't sure. at all. So, yeah. But before we go there, I want to that. really <laughs> zoom in. Like, what can you remember the moment, like the moment, like the day? And the time and the place where you realized, fuck, this us map is broken. Yeah, and it wasn't right away because that ego came online. We're like, oh, we're good. Like I could be bad by myself. But what was that first moment where you said yes, but the ego came in anyways? But still, what was that first moment? I think the moment of it happening was through text, which was very weird. Like, where are you? Is it morning? Is it evening? It, it's are you morning. Inside of a house? It's morning at my house, at my kitchen table. <laughs> and I think it was kind of like a le- like a follow up from the night before in a weird way. Like the, maybe the conversation started last night, but it's finishing now. It's super early. It's weird. And it kind of ended on some I know what I want. Do you know what you want? And the stories and the weren't partner the same. told you that she knows what she wants, but that no, like vice versa. Like okay, I'm me saying that, but it was it was so well done that that's what made it weird. Like it was truly an understanding that, like, I think we didn't have the words for it, but knowing that our stories, we needed to have our own individual experiences to be able to even have a together experience. Right. And I would say that we both knew that, didn't have the words for it, botched the getting it out. And then I was like, okay, like this is over. Like, and then that was really it. But then after that was when like, when you're alone by yourself and you're like in your bed and you're like, damn, heartbreak is a real thing. I feel this in my chest. Like, this is weird. Like that came after though. Mm. Like that moment, that's what I meant. Like, right. You know what I mean? And it's almost a meme at this point, but it, it <laughs> tends to be that the meme is that um, when the breakup happens, mm-hmm. the woman feels it hard right away Mm -hmm. and it's very hard for maybe even a couple of weeks the dude won't and he'll go do his thing (laughs) but then like two months later when the woman has has really fucking processed a lot of the shit the guy starts to be like oh fuck you know um and it kind of sounds like your part of that maps on to that so what was the moment where you finally like let the feelings hit you like how long after that text was it like a week two weeks now i would say it was quick because it's funny when you say that i kind of identify more with the female side of things because like i was like i'm just an emotionally like i'm in touch with that of myself and i don't think it's like a bad thing so i was never i would say probably like a week maybe less than a week where that hit where i was like whoa like this is because like the foot when you have the map looking forward is you know where kind of where you're going. Like you get the terrain. When you're running off of like 
a bad fuel like coal, like it's going to last you maybe another mile. But once you get past that mile, it's like the map broke down. And I didn't realize the map broke down for like under a week, I would say. And then yeah. I was like, holy crap. But then I played the game of like, I know this is going to come full circle, whatever. Then it then it did and I was fine. Like that fueled my ego What does again. it mean to come full circle? I would say that it didn't end. How would I say that? came full circle in terms of like I know that she didn't express it right and it like we it didn't end it ended cleanly but didn't end in a way where we would both be satisfied with it I guess so like I knew it would there would be a follow-up to this and you would come back in a way so but that sounds so like weird but it and which it did which helped but we both knew no matter how many times you come back we both know like this is not good for us like you know what I mean and then then I don't know that's so yeah that's what i meant <laughs> sorry it's weird like talking about it like this but yeah. um i'm curious okay if you had to zoom in to the lowest point of that experience like the kind of archetypical image is the person on the bathroom floor on their knees crying that's kind of like the archetypical image of the stage what was your moment for that and what was the thought or the story that you told yourself that gave you the strength to rise out of it? I would say before that happened, like I wasn't somebody who ever cried. Like I thought crying was like, I don't know. I always wanted to be the strong one in like an emotional sense. And I remember crying. And when I said feel it in my chest, like I literally felt it in my chest. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. Where were you? What time of day it is? Or what room were you in? Like really like, can you? I would say in my in my room, it wasn't like I was in my bed, like, but I was sitting on my bed, and I just remember thinking about it and wanting the fight, crying, (laughs) but like, screw it, like, whatever. And then I cried, and I was good. And I spoke to my older sister about it, and then it was, she was just so open and easy to talk to about it that it made it like, for people listening who. might find themselves in that same situation. What was the mental framework or the story that that helped you start? So like, if you imagine you're on a bridge and it breaks and you fall down into like a ravine mm-hmm. and that, that bottom emotional, like the most intense sadness is the bottom of that ravine. But you eventually start to climb out of it. But I think that first moment where you aren't moving and you're at the bottom, and you start to go up and you're like, okay, I'm going to do all the work I need to do to get back up on the bridge. What was the mindset or the story? Or is there anything from your experience there that you felt um, would be useful to share? Like a story or a perspective or a mindset? I wouldn't say that it's beneficial to share, but I think the moment of saying... Figuring out the I was such a driving factor that what I would mean like who I was. Like I at that moment I didn't really know my full identity and what I wanted and what those things were. Like I had to figure out the new map, as to use words that you were saying. The drive to say that I still know I'm capable of much more. I need to figure out what that is, kind of made my ego like, oh, we're back here. Like we could do this again. Like he came back online and was saying, like, oh, let's go. Like, you could do that. And part of it was fueled by, like, 
Like, I'm going to be that person who I wanted to be and who you're going to want to be with. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that plays into it. And that led into having to do those things where my ego was happy, but also having to keep looking in and say, like, is this making you happy? Is this cool? Like, how do you really feel about these situations? And, like, that led me to, like, mindfulness-ish practices along with that. So it was a weird thing. It was more trial and error, which sounds nasty, but I wish I had, like, a, a... thing that offered that was like a, a it's one all good, liner. It's you know all what good. I, mean? I like, put you on the spot. No, but that was good. <laughs> so now I'm curious. Mm-hmm. You're you said that your ego came back online and was like, yeah, we can go do that. What is the new map that you're in right now about um like what is it that you want to be and that you know that you could be? Like if you had to paint that picture as clearly as you could, where are you going? That's a rough one because my current pursuit is to clearly figure that out. But I know how I feel when I'm able to help people and how I feel when I'm able to, that potential I was talking about in others, help them achieve it. Like, And even though it may sound, I don't want to say selfish because I know how it makes me feel, but I also love looking at it and watching that happen. And I love being a part of that. That I would offer is own the fact that you have the urge to be selfish. Every single fucking human on this planet has it. True. And if your selfishness is honed in a way that by you being selfish helps other people, go own that shit. Like, (laughs) I help people because on a very fundamental sense, it makes me feel good. Yeah. And And I own that shit because I am a human. I am an evolved animal. I want to fuck and eat and have power. (laughs) And a part of that is I want to feel good. Yeah. You know? You know, and so I think um, I was telling somebody this in the office yesterday. If you, I said, I'm going to say this to you in an aggressive way, but it's really me talking to myself. And it's if you ever find yourself judging an instinct in another human and pretending like you don't have it, admit right then and there in the art, in the conversation that you have that too every fucking day. You know, because I think we were talking about, um, like, he was saying, I used to want to impress people. Mm -hmm. And my brain was like, no, bitch, you and I (laughs) both today are trying to impress each other right now. Mm -hmm. It's part of being human. Mm -hmm. It's okay. But you can channel it in a way where it's not obscene and grotesque and causing a bunch of problems. For sure. And I think if you understand that, that plays into helping. Because like you see it in others and like you can offer something. You know what I mean? In right. return. Like you may be two steps ahead of them in that path. And like you can offer something. That makes dude, little- nothing feels grosser than being in a group of like eight people where all of them are talking in a way where they're like basically implicitly claiming that they no longer feel uh, instinct of like want want like wanting to impress people mm-hmm. or wanting to be liked or wanting power or wanting money it's mm-hmm. like i'm leaving <laughs> this is gross like you said it goes against fundamental human things that we can't even consciously control i think right. like you I, naturally do that right and so and i think that this is a big thing where it's if you admit you have it you have now a little bit of wiggle room to channel it. Mm -hmm. But if you act like you don't have it, then you're blind to it. And it's in all of us. It is in our fucking DNA. It is in our our spinal cord and our brainstem. And we share these basic instincts with every mammal on the planet. You know, 
if you act like you don't have that shit, it's going to bite you. <laughs> I feel like I definitely have it. That's also why I probably liked you when I met you. I was like, I feel like God's, you got it too. <laughs> For sure, I got it. I got all of them. <laughs> yeah. And, but I feel like the, the path of figuring that out also like it just was expressed shitty before and like it's also <laughs> i love when kanye like he goes that bipolar shit that's my superpower yeah and i'm like that like that's the way i feel like that's For also sure. a part of like the characteristic that makes me me that's also going to help in the in the win you know so what I mean? check this out if you could imagine your ideal life five years from now and you had to picture what your perfect day looks like and if you just close your eyes and really think about what that perfect day looks like. What is it? Of course, you're going to wake up next to a fine ass honey. It's okay. Oh, with, the, you know? with, with fine ass glutes that you mentioned earlier, of Heard. course. Heard. <laughs> but yeah, so um, what does this perfect day look like? How would I explain it? Um, I would say... It would start, I implemented cold showers and the shock to the day that it start, to the start of the day has been amazing. So I feel like that would be a part of it. So check this out. <laughs> I want to challenge you to become even a little bit more high resolution. You don't wake up out of consciousness into a cold shower, <laughs> you know? So like, what's that first breath, you know, the first thing you see when you wake up? I just saw a very nice but open modern like bedroom for some reason. Yeah. I saw that and is it still night or is the it's sun day. it's sun it's beautiful. Like it's like crack of dawn but no not nobody else is up but me. It's quiet and it's very sunny. That yeah, that's what I see. I get up, I'd enjoy that moment. I I would feel that I feel the sun and all that, all that good stuff. And then I would jump in that cold shower to like shock the, shock the day and see what I have on the list to knock out, but also feel a sense of accomplishment doing those things. Like that contributed to that fundamental me that was better to show up each moment of that day and the next day, which I feel like meditating that day would be a part of it and working out would be a part of it so I could best express myself in those things. I don't know if that made any sense. It does. Of course it did. So you meditate and then you work out. Then what? Because it's probably only like 9 a.m. You're right. Barely, right? Especially I said on the first one up. I didn't even get past like 8. I feel like I don't have a good picture. I don't know. I feel like that's something I need to work on. Yeah. Just figuring that out. I would invite everyone listening um, to journal about like what if God is just waiting for me to tell it what I want, but I have to be super clear and you got to write out your perfect day five years from now. If I'm being honest, I don't think there's a single motherfucker who if it's their perfect day is not waking up to beautiful sex, you know, like like to like sensual connected you know That's and maybe i'm wrong but mm -hmm. i think you know like to wake up and take a cold shower and then to look at a to-do list i think is you not daring to say universe this is what the fuck i want 
mm-hmm. you know? And maybe I'm wrong. Like, I think that, of course, people are different. But and you know There are different what? things that different people want. But I, I would invite you, when you have a moment, to, like, journal and, like, just play the game. What if everything I wrote down, I get? You know what? I, I think I... <laughs> I think I just articulated what my current struggles, <laughs> yeah. just what my current, like not struggles are, but like that's me now. And I don't know. I think I just glorified that instead of really figuring out why you're doing those things to get yeah. you closer to that thing. You know what I mean? But I don't know. That was interesting. That was interesting. I don't know. And I think it is such a powerful fucking tool to get really clear with, you could call it the universe. What I really think is going on is you have an ancient machine working for you to give you consciousness. And it's, 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 it's your body. And it's been honed over millions of years of evolution to be this thing that if you gave it clear directions about what you want it to try to do. I just don't think that we understand the power of the thing that we're inside of. Agreed. You know, and if you get really clear with like, this is what I want to manifest in the world. Mm-hmm. And you remind your body every motherfucking night, you know, that if it is a thing that your body has a causal potential to manifest, because if you're a motherfucker who's like, I want to win the lottery. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to work. <laughs> no, probably not going to work. But yeah, if you're yeah. imagining like, I want to build a company that looks exactly like this, that helps me provide for all the people that I love in this specific way so that I could do something like this specific thing on this specific night in this specific place. And I smell the food that's being cooked. And I feel the hug of the friend who I just told I'm going to buy them their house or whatever it is. Like I can feel it. And you think about that every night. Mm-hmm. I think that the chances of your body doing and making the choices every day to manifest that thing are high enough where it feels like if you're a woo-woo person, you're like, I manifested this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and in some, real, in some real way you did. Mm-hmm. But I think like it's by giving the body really clear instructions on like, this is what we want. And you saying that, it's funny to me. It resonates with me, but not through any traditional things that I've either been taught or done. And that to me is like where I feel like the lack is. And I want to be able to offer that opportunity to be able to learn those things. And that's something that I didn't articulate in that first thing, but definitely something that while you're just saying that, I'm like, I've had the opportunity to figure it out that I can sit here and be like, Eric spitting some fire, that that is real. And I don't feel like enough people would understand that message. And I feel like I could do a better job of offering that. Right. And I think so... One of the beautiful things, man, is every generation has the opportunity or every person in any given generation has the opportunity to be the mediator between their generation and all of the wisdom from history. Mm. And so there's a specific group of people that you could talk to that I probably can't talk to just because of the way that I talk. Like, I'm, I'm not going to get to them. Mm-hmm. You could be the mediator of all the wisdom of history to this group of people, you know? And I think that that's what, I think that that's the opportunity that people have now is 
find the people that you can translate to, which is the people who are really like you in a really idiosyncratic, interesting, weird way. And then can you go find all the dopest shit in the world from history and then translate it for them? God, yeah, I feel that (laughs) right here. (laughs) And if you can do that for a couple thousand people, you will be able to take care of your family, you Mm -hmm. know? Sure, for sure. Heard. So I like to end the podcast by asking some word association questions. So we're going to pull it up on my fancy motherfucking device. (laughs) And whatever the first thing is that comes to mind, just drop it like it's hot. And of course, my laptop is doing this thing that it did yesterday morning during a podcast where it froze. So now I'm going to pull it up on my phone. No doubt. You're prepared, man. Obviously not, because I actually We're thought about it. that you had a backup. Heard. Because <laughs> I thought about this as I was setting up for the podcast. I was like, well, it did this yesterday, so maybe I should just do it on my phone. I was like, no, if I just turn off my iPad, that's the one thing I didn't do last time. So maybe, <laughs> anyways, okay. So I'm going to say a word or a phrase, and then you just say whatever the first thing is that comes to your mind. And if you say anything super outrageous or that would get you fired, I'll edit it out. Okay. All right. Word or phrase that captures your life philosophy? Can I like ramble for a quick second? Yes. So I was with a friend in Portland and we were tripping balls on the coast and it was amazing. And he turns to me and he goes, Lenny, like you're like, we're very different people, but we click for some reason. And I feel like it's because you're an outlet in a weird way. Like I'm a spark and I don't know why. And like, there's just things I have to figure out in life, but you connect things and you allow things to flow through and to other people and things like that. And when he said that, I couldn't articulate what it meant, but it just meant so much to me and it was genuine from him. And that's not a <laughs> word or phrase, but that moment, for some reason, you said that just instantly popped in my head when he was like, I'm a spark, you're an outlet. And it's beautiful, like something to that extent. And I was like, wow, that, especially yeah, so in that mindset I was in. I for was sure. Like, yeah. So the phrase is, or the word is outlet. And it, it sounds like what he meant was connector. Yeah, I think that's what he meant. Right. Yeah, that's what I took from it at right. least as well. Yeah. yeah. You're a connector. Mm-hmm. Word or phrase that cuts to the core of who you are. Maybe we just said it. I don't know. <laughs> I guess connector or genuine connector. What are you most afraid of? Settling and not more so not succeeding in terms of that higher me that I know I'm capable of, not achieving that. What is your most persistent problem? Maybe maybe not being able to figure out my most consistent problem. Maybe not being 100% true to that path, entertaining things that may be a small win for my little self instead of a 
uh, the real win that will actually get me further. Like even if it's an idea or saying yes to distractions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, That's way probably... to simply put that. Way to just like, <laughs> motherfucker, here, this is what you meant to say, motherfucker. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Street smart or analytic? I'd say right in between. Do you prefer slow or fast-paced environments? If I know the terrain, I'm fast. If I don't, I'm a little... I'm downloading, I guess. So it's a little slow. Are you more of a rule follower or a risk taker? I want to say right in between, which is interesting. I like to know the rules and then know where I can Absolutely. work around it. <laughs> is your need for control low, medium, or high? That's a medium. Are you more intellectually or physically competitive? I'd say intellectually. Are you more critical of yourself or of others? I think it's what you were saying earlier of myself, which is projected in others, you know, like for sure. Yeah. Amen. Pressure comes from. I want to say within it's that for me, I keep repeating it. I apologize for that higher self and lower self. Like pressure comes from that clash, yeah. which is within. Yeah. And what does it feel like in the body? I would say kind of angst and... So check this out. Angst is a label of a body sensation. What is the body sensation? Like where in the body? I feel it in my heart. I would say like my heart with my shoulders crunching over and like mm -hmm. coming in like in a way Perfect. like that. Like Almost that's like the way I would feel. like a turtle like retreating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the way I would say. Like that's it. In your tribe... And your group of friends, are you more the king, the warrior, the magician, or the lover? I feel like I haven't completely figured that out because I feel like a hybrid. For sure. All <laughs> four are in us, for sure. Yeah, and I don't know which one is, is winning, but I don't know. Like the thing I'm trying to get at with that question is if you were in a tribe, and you were one of the fundamental members, what would your role be? I feel like I'm a loving warrior, <laughs> Heard, which yeah. is like, like I didn't like, like when you said magician, that didn't resonate, sure. but yeah. like lover, like, warrior, and king. I was like, which one of those three, which was funny, but I don't know. Heard. It all comes down to. Sorry, this is supposed to be word association. I'm supposed to be quick. Um, it all comes down to, I would say, love for the path. Success is? The higher self. My vision. Is better. Love. Raise the bar. Go Sorry, on. I was like, like better, like raise the bar. Okay. Love is? love <laughs> i am
figuring it out. <laughs> My purpose. To serve. The most defining moment of my life. Not here yet. And this is the first part of the last question. And it's, let's say you've lived as long as you wanted to, and you've done everything that you wanted to do. And you know that the next day you are going to die peacefully in your sleep. How do you want to spend that last day? What do you do? And who do you do it with? It would definitely be with my friends, my family, just all gathered together. I would say in some kind of nature-ish setting. Like it wouldn't be too crazy. It would be in a setting for us all to be able to feel what's going on between each other and not distracted by too much, like being in the presence of each other. And if you got to leave a note to your grandchildren on that last day, what would you write on that note? Damn, I knew this one was coming. I did not prepare for this. Um, Damn, God, yeah, I don't know if I have this one in the bank. Um, it's in your heart. I think that's it. <laughs> that's actually it, dog. It's in your heart. I really think that that's a. Yeah, something about pursuing that, that higher you slash it's in your heart. Because I do feel like that higher you, that may be its voice. Like your heart, like that may be the way it's expressed. But so, if you had to write one sentence on that piece of it, it could be two sentences. But if you, <laughs> if you had to write that note, what would you say? Find the path, follow the path. Hey, that be- <laughs> Lenny, thank you for coming on, brother. Oh, thanks for doing this, guys. Yeah, I hope I did decent. Was it your truth? Yep, My you crushed it. Fucking truth. Woo! <laughs>